God has always sent his followers to reach the lost and restore the broken through blessing. First through Abraham and now as followers of Christ, we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to the world. And one of the most important ways that we are called to bless our world is inviting others into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Bless is a new way of thinking about loving our neighbor as a natural part of our everyday life. We do this through five simple missional practices to help our unchurched family and friends journey towards faith in Christ. Good morning. I'm going to be reading from 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Thank you, Barbara. Good morning. If we haven't met before, I'm Rob. I'm really glad you're here today. We are in a series that we're calling, or that's called Bless. And uh, so to start, I have a story from uh, a few years ago. It was when a friend of mine actually had been praying about his work and his life and his loves. And he came to me and was telling me about this experience with him, this, this love the things that he was passionate about doing, and he invited me to start praying with him on this. And so I remember him saying, you know, I love to race, and I think I could use that to connect with people who don't know Jesus, and I think there might be other people who like to race that think the same way. And so we formed this small group in the coming months, and it started with this clear priority to introduce people to Jesus and to help them share their faith and so we met around this similar affinity. We formed a board of overseers. We found a national ministry partner to parent us so we wouldn't be doing this completely on our own. And one of the first obstacles we faced then was, well, how do we tell people about this group, that they could be a part of this? And so we created a website with the mission and the vision and a couple tools on how people could share their faith, how they could talk to others about Jesus. One of those first tools was this simple question, why do you race? And we thought, and we said to people that if you ask this question, listen carefully for the answer, and then if they ask you about that question, or if they ask you that question, then you could share about Jesus if he's in your answer. And so I tried this several times, and although it wasn't this instant success, it wasn't a dismal failure either. Uh, it, it did spark some conversation and um, made a little bit of an impact, but what we figured out was it was hard to track who was having success at this and 
who maybe was struggling with it. And so we decided that a better way to track our progress would be to have people commit to or join the team. And it was a sports-centric mission, so we thought team was the right word. So we had a sign-up page on the team, and then, of course, if you have a team, you need gear. So then we worked with, uh, or at least the director worked with manufacturers and sponsors to produce a variety of gear. That way you could have a jersey or clothing or equipment that made it easy to tell if you were on the team or not. In fact, we even put a cross on it. We put the, the words that said, why do you race? That way we could be like St. Francis of Assisi, or who is it, the quote that's attributed to him, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. See, we, Yeah, because you might want to write that down because that'll come up later. Oh, super smooth, that was me. So anyway, about two years after we started this, um, we were seeing hundreds of people buying the gear and competing on the team. We were well beyond 1,000 people that had joined the team. And so we were getting praise from headquarters, and that was awesome. But slowly and yet persistently, I had this unsettling feeling that maybe some people liked wearing the jersey and connecting with other people who wore the jersey more than they liked sharing their hope in Jesus with those who might not know him yet. In fact, eventually, the mission of the organization officially changed its purpose from sharing Christ and inviting others to know him to connecting athletes and then providing resources for them to share their faith. So even when something is started for the main purpose of sharing Christ, sharing the news of Jesus, it can easily shift away from it. So we've been working through these five missional practices that make up the acronym BLESS. BLESS is this intentional way that we can live out our faith in Jesus with and towards people who know him and who might be far from him. They're just practical things that most of us do or, or should do every day, like eating. You know, we should do that every day, like listening to people around us. That's a good thing to do every day. Um, but there are these practical things that we can do to live out the mission of Jesus where we live and where we work that aren't a ton of extra work, just some intentionality. Like we begin with prayer, asking God to bless, to use us to bless someone today to see with his eyes who around us might need a word from him or encouragement. We listen with care to people's dreams and people's pain. We share meals with those around us who might be far from Jesus because we all do need to eat. And, and then we serve in love. We find meaningful and practical ways, even impactful ways, to serve with or just serve someone that might be in need. And today we're talking about this final letter called sharing your story or share your story. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch for us to say that of the five core missional practices that we've been talking about, that this one is the hardest, the scariest, and probably the most avoided. This is when you can go, amen, or yes, or just go, oh, I hope he doesn't call on me. So, it doesn't even have to be about you, but let's, let's consider the question, and then I, I would like some responses. Why do you think it's difficult 
for people to share their faith. Doesn't even have to be you. Oh, see, I see a hand over there. Oh, that was a stretch, right? I saw laughter and then the stretch. Mike, you didn't have it? Why do you think it's difficult for people to share their faith? They have a fear of being judged? Or that, that the person who's sharing will be judged? Okay. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Ooh, it's personal. Sure, sharing is personal. I've often heard faith is very personal to people. Good. Hard to share. Sure. Yeah, that's honest, and I'll, I'll care more. I care more about what the person that I'm talking to thinks than maybe what God thinks. There should be a bumper sticker for that. Being vulnerable can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, right. Yeah. What if you don't have all the answers? What if they ask me something that I don't know? We just in general, or oh, like if you share, they might go, yeah, yeah, might rejection, fear of rejection. I think that's legit. Anybody want to help a sister out, or is she the only one? My story, uh, three, my four. My story might not be that cool. That's legit. preachy or pushy and the fear of being like that. I think that's legit. And we certainly have lived in a culture where uh, through the last 20 or 30 years of television, preachers or evangelists or people on street corners shouting, pushy and salesy might be nice ways to put it. Did you have one? Woo, Jacob, it's not my job, it's someone else's job. Did you, in, it, maybe you missed his hand gestures. It's not my job. It's someone else's job. We might have the name tag of pastor. Well, and legitimately, I think that, you know, in, oh, we have one more? Okay, Tony, what do you got? We care more about the Vikings than <laughs> Jesus. There are some people that that's, le- I think that's a legitimate excuse. Um, I, I had a response to that, but not today. No, just going back to what Jacob uh, said, I think that the American church, especially the last 20 years, has really uh, lowered the bar, the expectation, made sharing our story far less than what it's supposed to. We've been told, at least I grew up, um, and my formative years of high school, college, and beyond, uh, to say, all you really need to do is invite your friends to church, and then, then the pastor can do the work. Uh, 
okay, that puts a lot of pressure on people <laughs> to be awesome and have all the answers, <laughs> hypothetically. But I think it also reduces you know, you to a church marketer. And that's not what I see in the story of God or in the words of Jesus. We're all called as people who love him to be hospitable, spirit-led, prayerful, generous, and live out our faith where we live and work and play. So we're all called to be local missionaries, sent ones, that gets a little scary sometimes, but that is the call. So we can make it far more than that by thinking that we've got to have every answer. We've got to have all the techniques down. We've got to know exactly what to say. And if you're not extroverted, persuasive, or a Bible expert, then you just feel like um, less than. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> or we've made it so low to say, just, just invite people to church and become church marketers. So that's the, some of the obstacles that we face. But I would still say that of all the things that I've heard, that I've studied, that I've seen in literally the last 20 years, the, the way that we've been talking about bless and blessing others is still one of the best ways to share our faith. One, because it's not just, here's, here's how you have to do it, it's from a place where we're partnering with God. We're asking for him to work. We're listening before we're speaking. I mean, as believers in Jesus, could we do that? But wouldn't it be great if you could experience that with other people too? That, that we could listen before we talk and actually listen to their answers rather than just think of what we're going to say. But, so let's dive into what, uh, what these verses have to speak to us today. The reason I mentioned the St. Francis quote is because there's another version of that quote that says, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. You know, if we, if we go with the if necessary, it kind of means that we might never actually have to talk to anyone about Jesus. If we use when necessary, it implies that there will be a time where Words are needed. So, what does this look like in our lives? Well, 1, 2, and 3 John are all some of the last letters that are written and compiled in what we know as the Bible. And scholars agree that these three letters, 1, 2, and 3 John, were written many years after the Gospel of John, but by the same person. This is the one whom Jesus called the Son of Thunder, but who called himself the disciple Jesus loved. He's probably the last one left of the original 12. And on top of that, there are fewer and fewer and fewer primary witnesses, people who have seen Jesus before he died. His ministry on earth, his human form before the, the crucifixion and resurrection. And so He's, I think, using these letters to urge people to not just live their faith, but to share their faith with their words as well as their actions. It starts with that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, that which is from the beginning. I don't think this was John's beginning, 
I don't think it was John's relationship with the recipient's beginning. In fact, I'm not even sure if it's just the beginning of the Bible. I think it's actually referring to the ancient and eternal past, the Genesis, where everything started, where there was a a word, he's saying, that existed in relationship with God the Father and with God the Spirit, this divine presence that he's trying to put into words, but essentially, I think he's saying, I'm reminding you, you followers of Jesus, in a time where there's fewer and fewer primary witnesses, that there is this big story that God started. God started all of it, and when we think that we're the center of the story, I think our world shrinks smaller and smaller and smaller. And then we see these nations and, and powers and people fight because they're at the center of their universe. And destruction is a result of that. But, but John urges them that, that we can share our story because God started a bigger story. Not only that, he says that this divine life, this word of life who was God and who was with God and was God, this eternal life has appeared in physical form in our time and space as a physical, historical, actual human being. That's what he's saying in the second verse, that a life appeared, the life appeared, and we have seen it, we testify to it, we proclaim to you about this eternal life which was with God and yet has appeared to us. Somehow, in this divine mystery of Father, Son, and Spirit, in eternity past, but yet eternity, this divine being entered our time and space as a human. And we've seen it with our eyes. We've touched it with our hands. We've heard it with our ears. Four times in in about four and a half verses, these sensing verbs like, Seeing, touching, hearing, proclaiming, all of them are used to give this experience that people had with the divine. I think what John is saying is this divine life, this bigger story that God started, actually we experienced. And maybe you can too. See, I think some of the reason we don't want to share our story is because we've somehow morphed this beautiful, beneficial relationship into rules, routine, and obligation. And you can tell when someone is in a relationship that's beautiful and when they're into obligation. Faith in Christ is not a moral, ethical system although I think it could be used as that. Faith in Christ isn't an abstract set of ideals. I think people use it as that, nor is it just a religious institution, although I think people use it as that. It is above all the greatest news that, that of who God is and then what he's done, that he sent himself as a human, Jesus Christ, into our actuality to rescue us from the brokenness of ourselves and of the world. And when we realize that, we not only say amen, we let our face and our being and our body and, and what John is saying, others know that. I mean, the way he describes this experience 
we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, verse 3, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. Does it mean that when we proclaim this, you have fellowship with us, but our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ? As I reflected on that this week, I pictured an experience that's so powerful and transforming that it, it starts to change us, that, that we can actually say we're so connected, it's like we're one. We walk and work in the same direction and have the same affinity. We believe the best about each other, and, and we have these beneficial relationships. It's the purest form of friends with benefits. That's the kind of group we are. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. But they felt this way about each other and about God. That's the experience they had. We call it fellowship. It sounds like a church word, and we go, oh, that's nice. But that's what I think it was. And see, when we find ourselves in this larger story and we find Jesus in it, then we actually find eternity and purpose and joy. So if you know God, think about the first time or one of the first times that God was real to you in your life. And if, if you don't know him, then just consider how he might make himself real. See, when I think about that, I think about my friend Brian, who was one of my two friends in junior high, who actually just liked me, who told me about his pastor, who was pretty cool, even though he really wasn't pretty cool. <laughs> but he genuinely loved teenagers, and he genuinely loved God. And my friend saw that. He took them to a rock music concert because the band was Christian. And he told me about that. And all of a sudden, God went outside of the walls of a church. And I thought, well, if that can happen to my friend, and he can tell that about to me, then maybe that could happen to me. See, I think most people say the first time that God was real for them is when someone else made him real. And I don't think I'm the only one. See, sharing our story becomes necessary if we really want to bless people. One of Jesus' followers named Paul put it this way in Romans 10. How can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? See, sharing the story is necessary if we want to bless people, but it's also necessary if we want to find the greatest joy. John ends this introduction talking about this fellowship that is possible for them and that fellowship goes beyond human understanding. And then he says, we write this to make our joy complete, overflowing, not lacking. Our joy. 
not their joy. It would make sense that when you find Jesus, you do find joy, you find hope, you find peace, you find purpose. But he's actually saying, when we share it, we find joy. And I think we can share the story not just because God started a bigger story and because we can experience him in that story, but because we get joy by sharing the story. And most often, it'll come when we've developed a relationship with someone, when we prayed for them, when we've listened to them, when we have maybe served them or shared a little bit of life with them. Sometimes it also happens when the other person experiences something actually pretty hard in their lives and they need a bigger, better story. So rather than share another one of my stories, I've asked Ron and Don to come up and share their story of how this actually happened in their real lives. Hi, um, I'm Don. It rhymes with, this is Ron Peterson. Um, all those are um, ideas about barriers to sharing your story and talking to people about it. I agree completely, so here I am standing up here to talk about it. Um, and it's, it's a blessing to do so, um, but what I think I've found in the, in the experience that we've had um, is that oftentimes you find yourself, I, you don't even realize it, I think. It's what's in the rearview mirror. It's, in, it's, it's how God's been there. Because I didn't, I didn't walk into a conversation that we had about three years ago and say, hey, I'm intentional to come do this. It was a friend for a friend, a coworker to a coworker, and, um, and just saying, hey, um, I get to tell this part, right? Yes, okay. So we're walking, we're walking across from, we work for Starkey and this big build, um, campus, with lots of buildings. We're walking from one building back to the one we work in. And we're talking about family and stuff. And Ron mentions his grandson, who's, he's a grandpa now of three, by the way. Okay, there's a wee bit of jealousy, but you know, I'm all right with it. Um, and um, all right, get to work. That's right, get to work. Um, always remind me of that. Anyways, um, as we're walking across the street, um, you know, he's talking about his family and his grandson, and he says, I just hope that, you know, someday Oliver is a really, you know, will be a good person. And I looked at him, and it just, like, struck me, and I said, why do you want, why do you only wish for him to be a good person? I mean, there's so much more that we should be striving for each other, and how often do we say to people or refer to people as just being, oh, they're a good person, when really it's like we, we want God's best for everyone around us and how we get how we have an opportunity to, um, to bless people, to talk to them, uh, to encourage them. Um, and it was like, I didn't mean it as a shot. Um, and I don't think Ron took it as a shot. It was more of like a, hey, I want to encourage you that we should want more for our family, for our friends, um, than just good. Because good seems, and, and, and since then, good has seemed a bit like, wow, that's kind of low on the scale as far as what I want to wish for you. And I would say this story, um, and then I'll be quiet and let Ron talk. Um, you know, it's not my story. It's not just Ron's story. It's, it's our story. It's God's story. You know, because my encouragement from my wife and my church friends, my pastor and all that, is what helps to encourage us. So when we're invited into that moment when 
uh, something innocent comes up to have that conversation, we're willing to take that next step, not knowing where it's going to go, not knowing what the outcome's going to be, and not knowing how God's going to use it to bless one another. Thank you, Don. Um, Don's my boss, so I have to be really nice. <laughs> no, um, that period of time when we walked across the street was not a very good time in my life. Pardon me. Um, Don was my friend. I had knew him for a long time. And my faith wasn't so strong. But he reached out to me. Um, we shared lots of things together after that moment. We talked about my faith or lack of it. And he suggested, why don't you come here? He says, it's a community. Um, to show that you're not alone. So, I really didn't intend to do this, but I came here and it was, it was like a breath of fresh air. And it wasn't too long before, you know, and Don was saying, well, you know, there's always the next step, you know, become a member. And he was never a prodder or pusher, even though it kind of might sound like he was, but he was always just sharing and suggesting and, you know, try it, see what you think. And, you know, I became a member and went through all of, you know, the stuff that you do to become a member, which initially sounded like it was going to be hard, but it was really easy. And I am a member of a community. I'm not by myself. And uh, I've joined the men's club. I'm learning about the Bible for the first time in my life. Um, great group of guys, terrific group of guys. And um, I have moved forward with my life, talking with Don about it, talking with whoever I need to talk about it, and I've tried to put things in my life up to that three years ago that had just bunged me up so bad that it was like, I was like constipated. I couldn't move any place, <laughs> you know, and I've moved past that. I've developed a relationship with my mother for the first time in years. Um, she knows about her great-grandchildren, which is a huge step for me. Um, I continue to want to grow in my faith. Rob is a really good guy. You should all be very thankful that he leads this church. Um, because I think he's terrific. But just the initial sharing, I just want to just say, just the initial sharing from Don, from one person who really didn't know me that well. I mean, he knew me. But he saw 
through me and said that, or at least I think he thought that I need to share something with him. And sometimes that's all you need. You just need one person. And his sharing with me has affected eight other people in my family. I mean, and then whoever comes after that. But that, in a nutshell, is just, that's God working through just one person. So I, I thank the Lord every day for that. That's all I have to say. Thank you. On a walk, two co-workers. Maybe it was because they were outside of a building and not in a cubicle. Sharing uh, one little part of a dream. I really hope my grandson grows up to be a good person. Don said, is that all you want? wasn't a pushy question. It was one simple question. Why do you race? It's a good question. There are people all around us that are asking questions, and maybe you're in here asking some questions of yourself. You don't have to have all the answers. We're not supposed to share by ourselves in isolation. It's not about having this perfect presentation. It's about being available to Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit at work, because we're not the ones who can change people anyway. But when the moments come, are we willing to open our mouth for a question, an answer, an encouragement? And if you've never been told this, when someone asks a question you don't know, it is okay to say, I don't know way better than making something up. 1 Peter 1, or 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, or honor Christ the Lord as holy and sacred. And then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We do need to be wise and respectful and sensitive to the spirit when we share. But I believe if we've put Christ as Lord of our life and in the center of our being, that we are changed. We handle our faith differently, our finances differently, our relationships differently, our work differently, and people will notice. So there are times where words are not necessary, but there are some times when they are. And if your life isn't changed after meeting Jesus, then I don't think you met Jesus because he kind of wrecks people's lives in the most beautiful but all-encompassing way. 
if this is hitting you in a place where you're just not sure, then I would encourage you to say, Jesus, are you at the center of my life and have I made you the Lord of my life? And if you've done that, then Lord, help me to share your story. The next couple of weeks, we'll give examples of ways that we can share the story, how we can serve with love in meaningful and impactful ways. Again, for this to permeate our lives and our church and our faith and our community. Because who knows how many people it will touch. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that, that we would honor you as Lord, as leader, and we would place you in the center of our being. God, it's so easy for something else to come into the center of our hearts to come first in our life, God, whether it is work or whether it is friendships, whether it is pleasing people or achieving things. Lord, I pray that you would show us today what is taking first place and God, that we would have the courage and that you would give us the strength for us to remove that, to dethrone that from our lives and to put you at the center of our life because when you are at the center, God, then everything changes. God, you are the one who changes us. We don't have to work towards it. We don't put our hope in religion. We don't put our hope in our goodness, God. We put our only hope in your only son. And God, if we have put our hope in your son, then I pray that you would give us the words when we need the words, when we need the words, God, not if, when. Hear our prayers and power and anoint us, God.